Are you feeling the burn? No, <laughs> not that type of good burn from lifting weights in the gym. I'm talking about the kind that feels like you're burning the candle at both ends. Caregiver burnout is not often talked about, but it affects parents every day who care for special needs kids. And today on the podcast, I have Felicia Sheline, who talks with me about how to identify if you are experiencing caregiver burnout, and she gives a us practical and easy ways to get out of burnout mode and incorporate more self-care into our week. Felicia Sheline is a certified life and mindset coach who is passionate about helping special needs parents. She's a mom of three kids who each struggle with their own medical issues. And Felicia became a stay-at-home mom after her daughter received the diagnosis of spastic hemiplegic cerebral palsy. And after being a stay-at-home mom to her three kids and living with their medical challenges, which encompass autoimmune disorders, gastrointestinal disorders, autonomic disorders, and mental health issues for the last 11 years, she knew that she needed to do something to help other parents like her. And Felicia is the host of the podcast Surpassing Labels, which is available on Spotify and Apple, and she loves to share tools and strategies to help parents begin to navigate the unique challenges that they face with raising kids with special needs. Felicia and I had a wonderful and really uplifting conversation that I know will be just what you needed to hear today. So welcome to the podcast, Felicia. Hey, Mama. Welcome to Raising Deaf Kids. Do you want more ease in your daily life? Do you want to integrate language skills into your home but have no idea where to start? Do you find yourself searching for how to learn sign language and time management tips? Hey, I'm Elaine. I'm a mom of three littles, two of whom are deaf. I remember when I received the hearing loss diagnosis for our child. There were so many decisions and information overload big time. I lacked clarity and confidence, and I yearned for ease and balance in our lives. It was then that I discovered communication strategies to support our kids' language development, time management tips, and home systems that fit into our busy lives. And I can't wait to share them with you. So put down that to-do list for a fresh mug of coffee, and let's get started. Did you know that I have a free community of women just like you? Busy moms who want more ease and balance in their lives by creating effective communication systems for their families. In the community, we share tips for time management and support each other through hearing loss with our kids. Come join us at facebook.com slash groups slash Raising Deaf Kids. Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to the Raising Deaf Kids podcast. And I would like to welcome Felicia Sheline to the podcast. Hey, Felicia, how are you doing? Hey there, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, Felicia and I showed up matching in our purple today. So that must be like a color that we need or something. I'm sure yeah. there's like <laughs> something about that. But yes, I love it. So what I would love to do, and sorry for everyone, just so the audience knows, I've got a little bit of a cold um, because we are back to school for like three weeks and everyone is sick. <laughs> Yep, we sure. <laughs> yeah yeah you guys did that last week yeah that's like everyone's probably story right now but Felicia I would love to start with just a little bit about your background and your story and kind of what led you to you know what you do now which is coaching 
Well, I am a mom of three kids. Originally, I was a microbiologist, so I worked in the hospital settings and research labs. When my middle daughter was almost two, she was diagnosed with a form of cerebral palsy, spastic hemiplegic cerebral palsy. At that point in time, my husband and I kind of decided that I would probably need to be a stay-at-home mom because she was going to require some pretty intensive therapies and a lot of lot of care. <laughs> so I became a stay-at-home mom and, you know, just made sure that we got her all the care and everything that she needed. And that's been, what, 12 years now because she's 14. So, <laughs> and since then, we've had, you know, different things that have come up with my other two kids. My oldest son is 17 and he was recently diagnosed with ADHD. So that was kind of, kind of interesting. Another road that we're going to have to travel, but it's been, it's been good. And then my youngest daughter, she is eight. We have found out that she actually has an autoimmune issue, celiac disease. So we've got all kinds of things going on. So, but since I've been a stay at home mom and, you know, had to deal with all the ins and outs of the things that we've been through with all of our kids, I noticed that I was struggling a lot with a lot of different things and, you know, feeling kind of isolated, just kind of like I lost myself. I didn't really have a good sense of direction of like where I wanted to be. And, I, I really knew that I needed to do something. So I actually reached out to a coach myself. (laughs) And at that point in time, they really helped me work through a lot of things that I was struggling with. And then I realized how much of an impact it had on my life. So at that point in time, I decided that I wanted to go ahead and get my certification as a life and mindset coach. And I wanted to help special needs parents. So that is kind of how I wound up where I am. So I'm here to help um, special needs parents with different things that they may be struggling with. So, Great. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's definitely a need because I feel like the special needs population, one of the reasons why I started this podcast is really lacking in like resources, you know, coaching, podcasts. I mean, just kind of like everything in the online space. So I love that like that's a population that you work with. And obviously you know them very well. And I definitely understand. So I have three kids too. And both of my boys have like hearing loss, but they have hearing loss because they have a rare genetic syndrome that's never been in our family. So I can definitely relate to because not only did we have to do like the hearing loss thing and we you know got cochlear implants. And so we were doing speech therapy with both of them. Um they also needed like physical therapy, um, starting from like when they were babies to, you know, be able to walk. And then we needed like occupational therapy kind of off and on. And we're actually, I just got a, so my boys are seven years old and five years old. And then I have a two-year-old little girl who does not have the syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, seven, five, and two, we're still in the little stages. So I'm all, always really interested to talk to parents of kids with like teenagers, <laughs> a little bit older kids, you guys encourage me a lot that like, they will learn to do stuff <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely you know, do. Sometimes on their own. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a good point. Yeah. So we're just doing that, too. So and I know that a lot of parents um, can relate because a lot of times hearing loss is only a part of um, the diagnosis. Sometimes, you know, for parents, hearing loss is a whole thing. Other times, you know, there are other medical needs and challenges, too. So I think that really resonates. And I would love to hear your experience. You know, I think a lot of people don't think about talking to a Coach, I know I talked to a therapist just because I had a lot of other extra things that I wanted to deal with. So I did that last year. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you and bring you on is, okay, here we go. Sorry, my little year-old just made the appearance that I figured she would. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. <laughs> let me, sorry, Felicia, let me let her out real quick. <laughs> Okay. 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 I apologize. I can cut some of that out, but going back, (laughs) thank you. Going back to our conversation, um, I use a therapist because I had a lot of other, uh, you know, stuff from my childhood, but also realized that I had not grieved, you know, or kind of dealt with my children having hearing loss. And I did this, and I like to talk about this a lot because I think this is really overlooked and parents don't like to talk about getting help or don't want to admit that they need help or need coaching or anything, but it really helped me open up my capacity to like be able to do this to be able to do the podcast to be able to start the blog and to be able to like move forward with my life and I didn't even realize that I was stuck (laughs) you know kind of like in these thoughts and and I didn't really understand what like grieving was at the time and that like I hadn't really processed my kids diagnosis and hearing loss because we just kind of kept moving you know, at that time, it was just, you know, therapy after therapy, you know, surgery, then another surgery, and then more therapy. And then I had my two year old. And I will say that I really wish I had done it a little bit earlier. But I'm glad that I did go through that process, because I am like such a more calm mom. Now, because I'm not I'm not just like carrying all this stuff around with me anymore. And I have a bigger capacity to be more patient with my kids, to be more playful with my kids. Like before I was walking around, like just stressed out all the time, you know, and I didn't even realize that I was stressed out because of like these thoughts that I was having. So I would love to ask you, you know, what was your experience with a coach using a coach for yourself? I think a lot of what you say resonates with me a hundred percent because I felt stuck for a long time, but the sad thing is, is I didn't really realize that I was stuck. I just felt really lost, really alone. And I was just really struggling with trying to do all the day-to-day stuff. And I was not showing up the way that I wanted to be. I mean, I, I felt like I was kind of in a fog for years, which looking back, I really wish that I would have reached out a lot sooner, like like you had said, because you just miss so much time and you don't realize it until you're on the other side looking back. And 
like they say, you can't connect the dots when you're looking forward. But when you look back, you're like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? You know, but you just, you do, you just feel so lost, so alone. And when I was working with my coach, they really helped me to see that it was truly the feelings that I was having, the thoughts that I was having, just that played automatically in my mind on repeat that was really holding me back from being the parent that I wanted to be. I had a lot of guilt, um, just thinking that I did something to cause, you know, my, my child's stroke, <laughs> which logically makes absolutely no sense, but you know, that's kind of what I thought. So I had a really hard time processing that not only just the guilt, but a lot of grief also, because when she was first diagnosed, we didn't know if she was going to walk or talk or be able to do anything. Her prognosis at the beginning was not that great because of where her stroke was located, but she, she has proven everybody wrong. She's doing amazing. So, which is wonderful, but it, it took a lot of time and a lot of guidance and support for me to be able to come to the realization that my mind is just telling me these stories that are absolutely not true. And I needed to have that extra support and guidance to be able to work through that and realize that, you know, it was just my fear holding me back. And you, you don't have to stay there. You can choose to, to forge your own path. And they really helped me to see that, that it's possible. And they provided different tools and strategies. So because every, everybody's different and everybody needs different things, but, you know, something always comes up again. So it's good to have the tools and strategies whenever something does pop up that you're like, wait, why am I thinking this again? You know, I shouldn't be feeling like this right now to be able to use those in your day-to-day -day life to help you get through things that are popping up. So that that's another really good thing that my, my coach has provided for me. So, but that was my experience working with my coach. So, you know, and, and another thing when you're working with coaches, it's hard to think about, you know, we want results like right now. I want to feel better right now. She really helped me see that this is a process. It is going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And if you really want transformation and to be able to be the best version of yourself, you, you really have to work hard. So they're with you every step of the way. They help guide you to help ensure that you have the transformation that you want. So I think that is like one of the biggest things about coaching that has helped me. So yeah, I love that. And something that I was thinking about earlier today when I was making children's beds <laughs> and thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about today, and you kind of hit on it is that the value of talking to someone like talking to a coach is that other people see things in you that you don't see in yourself. You Excellent. know what I mean? So, you know, you've been in this fog and I actually really like that you said that. So I, on the podcast, we interviewed Valley Gideons, who has two now teenagers, but two kids with hearing loss and cochlear implants. And she wrote a book and she, that's exactly how she put it when we were talking about, you know, her memories of, you know, being in the early stages of finding out about hearing loss and, you know, everything that you do with young kids when her kids were young. 
she said she felt like she was in a fog. So it's really interesting that you said that. So that must be, and I think that is an accurate description as well. And we don't, I, I don't think we realize that we're in the fog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. At least that was my experience. And I didn't realize that I was walking around, not on like a higher level that I could be, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize the possibility because I wasn't there. I thought I was doing okay and I was doing okay, but I'm doing a lot better. I guess I'm more calmer, more patient, more fun. Like, I feel like I am back to like how I used to be before Kit, you know, just you're fun and you're want to go do stuff. And there was a long time where I felt, you know, just so tired and I felt like I needed to be in charge of everyone. Also, I'm an oldest child. So that may be that too. You know, but I mean, I think uh, with special needs parents, we are like so hyper vigilant about our kids because we have a lot more to focus on um, that we kind of take it, at least I did, into thinking that I'm like in charge of my husband and like his life and what he's doing. And I'm not, he didn't want me to be here. <laughs> but you know, it's like you, you feel like you are like, you have to control everything as well. Um, and that is, it kind of helped me, but you know, the value is that like another person, like the therapist that I did, the therapist was able to come in and, you know, tell me, Hey, like you need more self-care. You need this. Like other people see what's going on better in your life sometimes than what you can like see in that moment. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you were saying, whenever you are in the midst of this, you, you don't realize how you're reacting to the different situations. I mean, there were so many times that I was like, just real snippy. And I'm like, why am I being like this? Like, cause yeah. that's not my personality. I'm pretty happy go lucky. And I just found myself, I, I was just really not myself. And I was, reacting to things instead of responding in a way that I, I would want to. And that in and of itself was like another whole big snowball, because then you feel guilty. You're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe yeah. I just yelled at you for something so silly. And, you know, and then you, it just compounds and it just leads you farther and farther down. And you don't realize that that is how you're interacting, not only with your kids, but with like your family and other people around you until you kind of start working your way out of it. And it, it, it's like just taking a load off your shoulders because you just feel so much better. You feel so much happier whenever you start processing through this stuff, all the stressors, the emotions and the feelings and things that you have. Once you start being able to let go of some of that, it just it just takes the world off and you just, you do, you feel happier and you can show up the way you want to and, you know, be, be the parent that you really want to be. So it, it is very, very helpful. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, definitely. And people really overlook, you know, the mental health. I have um, a cousin who is a counselor and so that's her line of work, but she says that she thinks everyone should have like counselor or a coach or a therapist or someone and visit them like you would visit, you know, just like a regular, like yearly doctor and that it should just be a part of, you know, even your regular routine because stuff comes up and life is complex and things change and situations change. And, you know, you said 
that at the age of 17, you just found out that your son may have ADHD. So it's like, you think you're past it. Exactly. (laughs) uh, Like other stuff, you know, pops up and that's fine because that's life, but it is like continual support, you know, to be able to work through those things as well. And so they don't take you back under again, you know, and I, I mean, agree with that and it definitely helped me. So what I would like to ask you specialize, let me know if I'm wrong in helping parents with like burnout phase. So I would love to talk about what is the difference, at least that you see between just being like stressed out and being in like burnout because burn, burnout is definitely, and I have a story that I'll tell them it, but that's definitely, you know, like a more severe, you know, so how, how do we know where we are? Well, that's a really good question because like you say, especially as special needs parents, there are so many things extra on our plate. I mean, you have to worry about doctor's appointments, therapies, medicines, just being able to take care of your children the way that you want to. So we do have a lot of extra stress and Everybody has their good days and everybody has their bad days. And, you know, we all deal with stress differently. So the biggest indicator that you could potentially be in burnout is whenever you are feeling physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted for like a prolonged period of time. So if you notice that you've just been, you know, super irritable and getting more angry than you typically do, or you're just like, have no motivation to do anything, having thoughts of like, I am just not good enough at this. I can't do this anymore. Just things are kind of up on a different level for a longer period of time than, you know, just a bad day. Or you're asking yourself, you know, what is going on with me? What is wrong with me? You might potentially be in burnout. And and there's like even physical symptoms that can be manifested if you're in burnout, like headaches, body aches, neck pain, changes in your sleep or appetite. And sometimes people might even start indulging in things like drinking more than they typically would, or maybe smoking or doing other things to kind of ease the discomfort that they're in. So these are kind of like red flags that that burnout might be where you're potentially headed. So Yeah, definitely. And I can say, I think, you know, I was at basically a burnout phase, but I think I got it taken care of before it got like too severe. But for me, I would say, you know, I felt like I was like walking around like my shoulder. I I felt like tense all the time. Like I didn't really have pain, but I felt like I couldn't like relax my body. Like I kind of felt like even when I was just sitting doing dishes or doing something really normal, I felt like I was just clenched up all the time. You know what I mean? And I couldn't like calm my mind down, which has never been an issue with me before. I've never had like anxiety or it like anything. I pretty much am like not a warrior, a warrior and like very optimistic, but I wasn't even worrying. It was just like stuff. I don't know. You know, you have a lot to think about as a mom <laughs> like going around in my head all the time. And even like I knew when I would go, so I get like a facial once a month. And so when I would go and do that, like I couldn't relax. 
Like I had a really hard time just laying there. because so I said like the thoughts were going through. I had a really hard time just like physically relaxing my body. It still felt really tense and stuff, even though I was getting a facial, which I enjoyed and is relaxed. It's like I couldn't relax. And one of the other signs that I noticed and that my therapist actually pointed out to me was at the time that I was like going through therapy, because I, I went through therapy for a year and now we've like kind of achieved my goals. I feel good. So I'm not doing it right now. But of course, I'm always like open to going back if I need to. But it was a whole year of once a week seeing someone and like going through this. And when you say um, this takes time, it does. It took me a whole year and I never missed an appointment. But I also really looked forward to going to the appointment because I really looked forward to talking to someone once I kind of got used to it after a couple of times. And I really look forward to I guess just having someone listen to me, mm-hmm. you know, as, as someone who could empathize and who could validate that like you are going through something real and you are going through something hard and you're not like crazy. You know what I mean? And you're not the only one just like that validation was helpful. But I remember we, my husband and I were about to celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary and we were going to um, Jackson, Wyoming for, you know, like a long weekend for our 10 year anniversary trip. We like hiking and being in the mountains and stuff. So that was a fun trip. Now I remember telling my therapist I can't wait to get on the airplane and just be alone and like sleep and have no one bother me. And she was like, Elaine, okay, that sounds great. But also that's not normal. She was like normal people who like have a healthy mental health, like don't, aren't just like looking forward to sitting on an airplane for like four hours or six hours. And I was like, oh, and that's what I'm saying. She saw that in me that I didn't, you know, you think like everyone thinks this way, like every mom is tired. And that's true. You you know, and you think like every mom just wants to be alone and be on an airplane. But to that degree, she was like, that's not normal. And you need a lot more self care. Yeah. Yeah. Just distancing yourself from like your kids and, and your family is another, another big red flag too. So yeah, I, I'm glad she pointed that out. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. And so we had to work through that, which we did. Um, And so going into that, I would love to talk about one thing that was helpful to me was building up my personal toolbox of (laughs) self-care. That makes sense. So figuring out like what was self-care and I would love to talk about because it was brought up a lot. What is actually self-care and what is hygiene that you have a right to do? I would love to talk about what actually is self-care, what is hygiene that you have a right to do and isn't just like a special thing that like you get to do once a week or something that it's like an everyday right and like necessity as a human. And how do we build our own self-care toolbox? Well, that's a really good question. And you are absolutely right because not only as parents, but especially special needs parents, we have a tendency to kind of forget about ourselves, especially with the simple basic needs like eating, you know, going to the restroom, taking a shower, basic human needs. We need to make sure that we are taking the time to do those things. 
you know, you need to have breakfast and lunch and dinner. And if you're hungry, you need to eat something and you need to make sure that you're, you're doing everything that you need to do to take care of yourself physically on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's, it's not okay just because you're running around doing all the things that you need to get done for your family to forget about yourself, especially with hydration and food. I mean, those are huge things. And I hear people all the time saying, oh, I forgot to eat lunch today, but it's okay. Well, it's really not. You can't perform at your top level if you're not at least eating what you need to eat, right? (laughs) So you really need to make sure that your basic care, like the basic care that you provide for your kids, you make sure they have food and get showered and cleaned up and dressed, all that kind of stuff. You need to make sure that you're doing that for yourself. So those are basic needs and self-care. First of all, is not selfish. Okay. (laughs) You need to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. That, That way you can show up and be the parent that you want to be for your child and be who you want to be in your family. You need to make sure that you are taking the time to do things to ensure that you're in a good headspace to provide those things. And it can look different for everybody. I mean, I know some people like to do things like going for walks or going for facials or getting their nails done or their hair done. So, I mean, it could be something like that, or it could be taking time to go get coffee with a friend or go chit chat at the mall with somebody, you know, going for walks out in nature. That's particularly my favorite thing to do. I love going for hikes and it really helps me clear my head and I love being outside. So that is like my (laughs) go-to, but it could be something as easy as just taking a couple minutes walking out your front door if you need a second and just taking a deep breath just to kind of decompress a little. So I know a lot of times, especially when you have a lot on your plate, you know, finding time to focus on your self-care can be like a huge issue because sometimes you have to coordinate a lot of different things to be able to manage to find, you know, an extra half an hour to go for a walk or an extra half an hour to go get some coffee. But if you are finding yourself, you know, struggling with being able to focus or feeling like you're in a fog or feeling extra anxious or jittery or stressed out, I mean, you could just literally step outside and take a couple calming breaths for just a couple minutes and just bring yourself back down to to normal level. So self-care can encompass a lot of different things and people just need to kind of play with it to to find what's right for them. And to kind of realize that the things that you have on your daily to-do list, you might want to prioritize your self-care a lot higher than maybe cleaning up the living room toys that are laying over there. You can find an extra five minutes if you just let those hang out over there and you go do something for yourself. Um, So if we can kind of reprioritize where we fall into our daily schedule, I think that we could find time to actually dedicate to ourselves. So does that kind of help clarify that? (laughs) Okay. 
Yes. Yes. No, I love that. And I was just, as you were talking, thinking through like the different self-care techniques that I use as well. I love, we like hiking too. We take our kids um, on trails like all the time. That's kind of a big thing that we do with, with our kids. So I love it. And there are so much health benefits to being outside, being outside nature, or even if you're not like actually in the woods, being out in the sunlight. Yeah. Right. It helps your, it helps you sleep better. You know, there's research. If you you know, go out in the morning and go ahead and get the sunlight, you know, in your eyes in the morning, it helps set your circadian rhythm because sleep is a big thing too. Right. Like absolutely, you, mm-hmm. you gotta like get some sleep moms <laughs> to <laughs> be able to function with your kids without having like 10 cups of coffee because that's not healthy. And I love coffee. Like me and my husband are coffee snobs. We have coffee, like everything. I just like it. And that is actually part of like my morning ritual that I do. Like I love getting up with, you know, I make my own little latte and like get up and like having that coffee in the morning. That's kind of like what sets my day. And I try to do that like every morning, even if it's like right now, my kids are in school. Like I'm taking my coffee, like in the car with me. I'm still like driving and it's so relaxed. Like I put a podcast on in the car and I drink my coffee and we like ride to school and it actually is like kind of a calm time. And that is like kind of a calm time for me because everybody's strapped in (laughs) (laughs) and everybody's still sleepy because it's morning times. Everybody's pretty quiet, but yeah, get, I mean, getting out in nature, I feel like I have, like I created a lot of different things for self-care and I'm constantly checking in with myself to see like what I need today. There are some things that I do, like I, you know, love to have my coffee in the morning. I also do a few like exercises, try to, when I get up, just like some stretching, it literally takes me like two minutes. You know, I do it with my kids running around and, you know, I do a few more stretches at night, which like maybe takes like 10 minutes at night, just to like wind down you know, before bedtime. But then I also have things like, you know, if I'm feeling cooped up, we, you know, I put the kids in the stroller, my two-year-old in the stroller, and we go walk around. We have a very walkable neighborhood. Um, so we go walk around the neighborhood or we even go play on the playground and like, I'll play on the swings yeah. as long as, because I like swinging. So as long as I'm, I'm not like taking over like what other kids, if there are not a lot of other kids, you know, while they're playing, like I'll go swing because I enjoy that. And that's kind of like a fun way to play on the playground. Cause I think like we've lost the self care and what it actually means. And we've lost like the playing too, the like enjoyment of life, you know, and then I'll also do tapping has actually really helped me and actually helped me like originally come out of my burnout phase. And so I now know if I'm feeling a little bit stressed out or something, I can sit and like tap real quick and it immediately calms my nervous system. It's, it's wild. It really, and I think it's because I've done it so often that now when I start doing that, my body automatically like responds to it and relaxes. I don't know. Do you have any experience? I see you're like, I love like the EFT tapping thing. It's a, it's a great strategy and tool and it's like amazing. Yeah. Just tapping on different parts of your body just helps calm the whole system. And it's, it's amazing. The effects, I mean, it's almost immediate. You just feel better. And yeah, I love that. So that's a great, great tool right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I use, there's like several tapping apps. I use like, I think it's called the tapping app. 
think. Um, I'll put it in the show notes anyway. But yeah, no, it's been great. And you can create what I love is that you can create your own like tapping meditation. Like you don't have to follow someone else's once you like learn the formula or, you know, kind of the way to do it. And, you know, I'll do it like if I'm nervous, I'm getting ready to fly tomorrow. And I'm not usually nervous. My husband is, I need to, that reminds me, I need to teach him how to do tapping. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes if I'm in, it's such like a thing that you can do no matter where you are to like immediately calm yourself down, at least for the immediate. But yeah, so I have different things and different levels. <laughs> not It's not written down. It's just all in my head. I just know myself and I check in with myself daily to see like what I need today. And then I pull like my strategy out of my toolbox that is in my head. It's not an actual toolbox, you know? And so I just know different strategies that help me calm down in different ways. And then I, you know, do those depending on like how I'm feeling that day. So I think it really, I think, and what coaching helps with too, is you need to really get back in touch with like yourself and start really paying attention to not only your mind, but your physical body and how like your body is feeling. Is it feeling tense or do you have a stomach ache is, you know, what's going on and then figuring out the tool that will help like relieve that. Is that a good strategy? Yeah. And I love that. And I was going to say, I really, really love like like how open and honest you are with, with yourself, because Mm -hmm. it really takes you being honest with yourself and being able to gauge where you truly are to see what help you do need. And you're absolutely right. Some days you might need a lot more, some days, not so much. And if you have tools and understand what is like the underlying cause of the struggle that you're going through, especially at that point in time, you can pull from that toolbox and you can have different things and strategies in place and you can know what you need to do in order to move through it. And, but the thing is, is you really have to be honest with yourself. And that's something that I, I had a hard time with because I would say, oh man, wait, you know, I, I probably shouldn't be feeling like this, but then I'm like, oh, you know, it's fine. I got a lot going on. You know, there's a lot, you know, I've got this therapy and that therapy. Oh, it's fine. But I I had a hard time being honest with myself and therefore it took a lot longer for me to, to reach the point where I'm at. So I, I just love how honest you are with yourself. That's amazing. So that's, yeah, great job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did take a year of therapy. So no, no, like, I wasn't being honest with, yeah, with myself at the beginning. Yeah. And it took a year and now I am, but yeah. And that is important to note. And I love that you say that too, is like, I am talking to you now after having done weekly therapy and really working and committing to going through the process for an entire year, like an actual calendar year. And so now, you know, when people are listening to me, like, this is great. They're seeing me on the other side, but yeah, they didn't see, you know, how hard it was. I was like crying to my therapist every day. I'm not even a big crier, but like now I, (laughs) yeah, just, and that is fine. It's like what I needed. I, what I needed was to learn that I can like have emotions and release emotions and it's okay And you can go through like kind of the stress cycle, which also was 
really important. So I listened to a podcast like a year ago by Brene Brown. I forget her who her guest was, but they were talking about going through the stress cycle and how when you're upset, it's like helpful to remember that your body is like going through a cycle. And so if you can like work through the cycle, like you'll feel better on the other side. And so sometimes that is like crying or, you know, whatever. And like, every time that happens to me, I just think, okay, like after I like cry or release this, I will feel better. And I do. And I always just like remind myself in the moment that I'm completing the stress cycle. And I think one of the problems is that we stay stuck inside the stress cycle. We don't like complete it. (laughs) And then you're just stressed all the time um, and upset all the time because you don't like work through and complete that cycle. Yeah, that, that is absolutely true. And we, we always say that we have to give ourselves permission to think the thoughts that we have, to feel the emotions that we have. And you really need to embrace those to be able to work through them. And then, then you can let them go and move forward. Because if you don't acknowledge the feelings or the thoughts that you're having, you will, you'll just stay stuck and it, it, it serves you in no, no way. So if you can embrace them, acknowledge them and work through them, I mean, that is how you work through and get to the other side. So yeah, I love, I love that. Yeah. And it it is hard work. It is like making a commitment that you're going to like do it no matter what, you know, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. I don't think anyone really likes to, you know, and I think, you know, our today's world has kind of made it so that you can like always make yourself comfortable. You, you know, you can order whatever food you want at like any time of day, wherever you want, you can create your like social media feed to like exactly what you want to see and like nothing else. And there's pros and cons to all that, but we have lost a little bit of resilience. I think that uh, other generations kind of knew more about and experienced more about was like, you know, being uncomfortable and being uh, like, okay with being uncomfortable and then like working through it. And that's not something that our (laughs) culture and society is really great at doing. No one wants to be uncomfortable now, Um, but you have to get uncomfortable to, to move through and to get better and to reach like another potential, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, but I mean, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. And I mean, you, you, you have to work, you do have to get uncomfortable in order to grow. I mean, that's how we grow. That's how we expand. If we just stay where we're comfortable, where, where we're at, we're, we're never going to grow. And if you want to be the best version of yourself, it, it is going to take you getting uncomfortable and it is going to take some work. Uh, but the only way you can reach your potential is, is if you allow yourself to do that. Yeah. And I, just for encouragement for our audience, I mean, you, you know, me and Felicia have gone through this process, you know, individually with, you know, ourselves and our kids and our family. And so I think we can be examples to, you know, you guys who are listening that say like, it's possible to be on the other side. And yeah, like you have to go through this hard stuff. It's, you know, not always great to feel uncomfortable or to be upset or to grieve a diagnosis, but 
you know, I think we can both tell you that once you get to the other side, capacity opens up and things just like open up in your life that you didn't realize, you know, could be there. And then you hindsight is 2020 and you realize, oh, I was not like being the best version of myself. And oh, this is the best version. And at least for me, it feels a lot like the version before my kids when I, when I just had less stress. Right. But I love my kids and I love that I had kids. And so I want to be that Elaine, like who is like carefree and happy before I had kids. I want to be that for my kids. Right. And also what a great example to show your children, you know, that you can go through hard things, but like you can always like keep improving and there's, you know, usually something better on the other side of it. That's just an amazing example um, for our kids for whatever they go through in life to show them, you know, that you can work through things and like, this is how you do it. Because as moms, we are the example <laughs> to our kids for, you know, the most part. Yeah. And so I love that. What I would love for us to do for the audience now is let's talk about if there are some things we can do three things or more, doesn't matter to me, some things that they can start doing immediately to kind of start taking some pressure off and to like start feeling better so that maybe they feel like, like kind of get some quick wins. So then they're like, oh, okay. And now like working with a coach would be the next solution. But the, you know, first step is, you know, let's get a little bit under control. What, what can we do? What are some examples of things that we can do to well, start, start taking some pressure off of this pressure cooker? Well, yeah, that would be good. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the, the top three things that I have, we've, we've kind of touched upon a couple of them already. <laughs> um, the first one would be to start taking care of you to basically make sure that you are taking care of your basic needs, like eating and showering and all that good stuff that we talked about earlier, and definitely prioritizing self-care. And it can be anywhere from, like I said before, a couple minutes to an hour, whatever you can manage, but you really need to make that a priority. And I think once you do that, you will probably pretty quickly be able to see some of that stress load coming off of you just by being able to decompress a little bit. And then the second thing would be, like we talked about before, (laughs) would be to prioritize rest and sleep over getting things done. Because you don't realize how crucial sleep is to not only your mental health, but just your overall well-being. Because if you do not get enough sleep, you you can't focus. You can't really perform tasks the way you usually would. And, and you do make yourself more susceptible for like getting sick or just being ran down. So sleep is, is huge. And I know a lot of times in our community, trying to get a full night's sleep, if you have sick kids or if they're going through like flare-ups or, you know, there's always something, it can be really, really challenging to get a good night's sleep. So even if, throughout your day, you can take like a little nap, they can do wonders. (laughs) So really rest and sleep are are a huge priority. And then the third thing would be to give yourself grace and compassion. Don't beat yourself up over the little things. Nobody's perfect. You are doing an amazing job just being the parent that you are. So if we could stop trying to 
make sure we get everything done just the perfect way and just kind of give ourselves some grace and compassion, kind of treat ourselves like we would treat another person in our family and not be so hard on ourselves. That actually helps alleviate a lot of stress too, because then we are not putting so much, so many expectations and so many stressors on ourselves. So that that's another one that I would recommend. So, but those are my three big ones. <laughs> no, yeah, those are great. It was always great to sum up for the audience. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, we do put so much stress on ourselves as parents and as moms and I'm just always curious, like where that is coming from. Like, is it coming from like expectations because we see like on social media, other moms have like perfectly clean houses because it doesn't seem like, you know, when I've talked to my mom and my mom was raising us and for most of it, she was a single mom. My parents were divorced and we were with her the whole time. And certainly she had stressors raising. There were three of us, but she, there wasn't, she said like she and her friends didn't feel like mom guilt. Like, like apparently my generation feels now that that kind of wasn't a thing. And, you know, she kind of cited, you know, she was like, well, we didn't have social media. Like we didn't know lots of other moms. We only knew the moms who were like in our community, like in our churches, in our community, in our neighborhood. And she was like, we didn't judge each other, you know, for, I mean, like whatever you want to feed your kid, great. Whatever I wanted to feed my kid, great. And no one really cared. I mean, for lack of a better word, like cared as long as you weren't like abusing your kids, I guess. You know, but there just wasn't like a pressure. You have to feed your kids the right food. You have to like, you know, feed them a bottle or breastfeed them. That seems to come up so much now. And when I've talked to older generations, they just didn't feel that pressure as much as we do and they didn't feel that guilt you know and and they didn't feel selfish I mean my mom like has told me I did not feel selfish for eating yeah like you know you guys just ate and you know I told you it was my turn you know she was like I didn't feel selfish for like taking a shower things that like now it seems like there's a whole generation of mothers who feel selfish for like I said, just doing basic hygiene, which is like a right of every person to yeah. like take a shower every day and to eat every day and to drink water. And it's not like a special thing. It's like what you need to do at the very basic level to like live and survive. Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious. I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. Was, it was just something that I was thinking about while you were talking of, you know, where, this is even, you know, coming from that doesn't seem like older generations have had this much pressure or this much guilt on them. Yeah. And I, I can definitely see that because even with like my mom, you know, she, she never really expressed any, anything like that. You know, they always just did what, what they needed to do. But I I do think that that she's right. I mean, we have so many influences, not only just with social media, but with like television and it's just constant and it's kind of like blatantly in your face. And I think a lot of times just the way we think and perceive things, people just place those expectations on themselves just to try to mitigate everything that they're seeing. And I, I, I agree with that 100% because 
it, it's everywhere. I mean, everywhere you look, you see people with their houses completely clean and, oh, everything looks so picture perfect. But in reality, if you really take the time to think about it, you know, logically that that's not how things are 24 seven, but, but we do place these unrealistic expectations on ourselves and, and it can really, really lead to a lot of stress and a lot of, a lot of grief actually. So just trying to keep up and, you know, the pretense that you think you have to keep up, but in reality, it, it just is not realistic. So, but I, I think that's probably where it comes from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing I would love to ask you is if someone decided they wanted to get coaching, you know, start feeling better for their kids and their family, could you give us just maybe like a high level overview of kind of like what they would get if they do coaching with you? Like, do you work through a framework? Like, what are your sessions kind of like, like, you know, what, what can they expect if they want to come talk to you? Well, um, I usually start out with my foundation session, which is a free session where we just kind of talk about where they are, what they think they're struggling with and kind of where they'd like to be. Um, and then after that, um, we would kind of structure our sessions. They're usually between 45 to, to 60 minutes or whatever would work best for, for the client. I'm, I'm pretty flexible, <laughs> but each session looks different de- depending on the person's wants and needs because everybody's situation is unique. So I try to tailor things to, to the client. And I, I really try to take the time to understand the challenges and the circumstances that they're facing. And I try to use like a collaborative approach to get to the underlying factor of what's causing their struggles. And then after we kind of determine what the underlying factors are, I will give them some tools and strategies and make sure that I provide accountability so they can implement things so they can actually take it into their day-to-day lives to work through what they're struggling with. So in essence, I kind of act like a bridge from where they are now and what they're struggling with to where they want to go. So that's, that's kind of how things are. I mean, nothing, I don't have like a concrete structure. Cause like I said, every, everybody's different and you know, one person might need something that another person doesn't. So I really try to be flexible and just kind of tailor it to the individual But my ultimate goal with my coaching sessions is to kind of empower parents to take back the control and the direction of their lives and to know that their children are not defined by their diagnoses, that they are not defined by their child's diagnoses, and they don't have to be a victim to their circumstances or situation. They can choose to write their journey any way that they want to. So that is my ultimate goal with the coaching sessions is to get people to the point to know that they can, can go anywhere they want to. They just have to choose to do it. And, you know, you put in the work and use the tools and strategies to get there. So. Yeah. And there, I, I love that. Thank you for sharing what um, you do with our parents. And I think there is a lot of value in asking people for help. Like I tell my two-year-old that all the time, right? She's in the, I do it phase. (laughs) She wants to do everything. 
which is fine. I love the independence, but I also tell her all the time because I want it to be in her mind that it's okay to ask for help. And sometimes, a lot of times, actually, like you need people and you need a community. We were never meant to just be like an island in life. We weren't meant to just do life by ourselves all the time, you know, and how important it is to reach out to someone reach out to a community, reach out to just one other person or reach out to a coach like you do, Felicia, because everybody has different strengths and weaknesses and you don't need to know everything, right? Because other people know stuff and we're meant to share it. Yeah. And that when I realized that for myself, that was such a relief off of my shoulders that I don't have to know everything. I don't have to, I don't have to figure out everything because there are other people out there, stuff that I'm not naturally good at. There's other people out there that are, and we're meant to share it. Yeah. Meant to be in a community and share with each other. So you're not meant to do this alone. Please don't feel like you have to, I do it all the time. Like my T-Roll says, you don't have to just do it. You can, you know, and should reach out to other people. So like I said, other people see things in you, you know, even positively that you don't see in yourself. And it's so valuable to just connect even with just one other person. So thank you so much for sharing. I would love to ask if there's one thing or two is fine that you could leave with our parents, like one encouragement, one thought, one piece of advice, one tip, what would it be? I think the biggest thing would be to remember that you are absolutely not alone. Absolutely not. Any thought and any feeling that you have, I can guarantee that there's been plenty of other parents that have thought and felt the same way. So please don't think that you are in the situation alone because you are absolutely not. And you are right. It is so beneficial to reach out for help. Even if you just want somebody to listen to you, just, just reach out and talk to somebody. I mean, it could be a friend or a neighbor. It doesn't have to be a coach or a therapist. As long as you are able to kind of get your feelings out and to be able to process them, that's That's what's important because if we hold all of these feelings inside it, it, it's not good. It just compounds everything else and it will just take you into a place that you really don't want to be. So please just remember that you are absolutely not alone and you really, really can choose how you want your parenting to look, how your journey is going to look. You do not have to stay where you're at. It doesn't have to be that way. You can choose to have it different. And all you have to do is just take that first step. So. I love that. Thank you so much. And if people want to reach out to you, which all of you should, who are listening today, reach out to Felicia. Where can people find you? Um, They can find me at www.shelinecoaching.com. Or my Calendly, would it be okay if I give it to you to put in your show notes? Would that be? Yeah, okay? absolutely. Yes, we don't have to. We will definitely link link everything up in the show notes for sure. Do you have an Instagram or anything that you'd like to share? I totally forgot about Instagram, but yes, I do. <laughs> I am at Felicia underscore Coaching. So perfect. Uh, 
if that's me. <laughs> I love that. We'll link that up in the show notes too. Felicia, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with our parents today. You are such a light. You understand you know, the unique needs of parents that have special needs kids. And I just love that you are helping, you know, this population of parents, which is so underserved, become even better parents, better spouses, and better for themselves too. It's such great work that you're doing. And I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing yourself with us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. This has been so much fun and I I really hope to be able to help people. So thank you. See you guys next time. Bye. Hey, Mama. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, would you take 30 seconds and subscribe to this podcast? I never want you to miss an episode and to be without valuable information to help you and your family. Also, please leave a quick written review for the show on Apple Podcasts. It lights me up to know this podcast is helping you. Now go check off the rest of your to-dos so you can love on your family today. And I'll meet you back on Thursday for another episode. Ciao, Mama.